Welcome back to another uh, episode of Genro's uh, podcast. Today's guest is Daniela Cheder, the CMO of Framery. Framery is a Finnish company that designs and manufactures soundproof pods and boots for many of the world's leading companies. Um, founded in 2010, the company has quickly grown to over 150 million in annual revenue and become the global industry leader. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So um, one thing that really excites me about talking to you is that Framer is like this really wonderful Finnish company, um, very innovative and sleek, beautiful design products. We have some at the office here. Um, very strong brand, global market leadership, selling to really some of the world's largest companies and best, most innovative leading companies. 40% of the Forbes 100, I think. It's actually 70% now. 70%. Yeah. So every, every company that uh, pretty much all the leading companies are using some of your product, which is very cool. Um, and very rapid growth. I think I remember reading from your website that <clears throat> there was one period where you went from one to 60 million in organic growth in five years. And then probably since then you doubled or more than doubled two and a half X that, that number, which is just extraordinary. So I, I kind of really wanted to just kind of unpack how this all has come to be. Um, and I think a really good, interesting place to start, I think what could be kind of a key behind your success, you can tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, I read an article or interview uh, where you said, and this is kind of loosely translated from Finnish, but you said that the entire C the CEO and the entire board or management team really believes in marketing, wants to invest in marketing, looks at marketing not just as a cost center or a support function, but really as actually um, as an investment. So um, would you say that that's been kind of First of all, uh, and you said in the article that that's very rare, and I agree from what yeah. I've seen. <laughs> Why is that the case, and and how has that kind of entire attitude and mindset allowed you to to invest in the brand and build this really successful company? Well. Um... Why it's rare, uh, I don't know. Uh, I hope it wouldn't be as rare. And I hope kind of these type of success stories where you can show kind of the value and, and how it pays back to invest in the brand will kind of drive that type of thinking in kind of more companies and, and kind of on a broader scale, uh, yeah. I think. But yeah, like you said, uh, that's a feeling. And I think it's kind of a privilege to have that situation because in, in many places there is kind of, it's frustrating if you have... Um, you see something that could be fixed and you see where you could make an impact and really help the company grow. And then your hands are tied and, and there are budget restrictions and all of that. And I think, of course, it's a combination of, of all the time kind of having that that kind of faith and trust, but also being able to show the results. So show in some way, prove that it does have an impact short term and long term, because that's kind of how you then build and continue the investment in the brand and marketing. Yeah, I think... The kind of what I've seen from a lot of B2B companies is they're really focused on the short term and everything needs to be very measurable. So if you spend a euro there, what does it bring in terms of revenue or leads or, or whatever? But you talked about faith and trust and you kind of I think you need to have that from the board on down that everyone understands that we can't justify necessarily every spend, but we know that it's going to build a brand over the long term. So how does your kind of attitude internally, how do you think about the different time frames and metrics when it comes to investing in brand? Because obviously you're not going to see next month or two months or two quarters from now the the impact. No, I think it's a combination. I think I think you need to earn the trust. And like I said, like not everything can be measured exactly in leads and kind of depending on what the funnel looks like, you might not even have the visibility to calculate an ROI. Yeah. But there are still ways where you can show 
different type of metrics and, and you can show reach and you can show clicks and you can show engagement and depending on kind of what the objective is, it's still some type of proof point. And especially if you kind of build up the story and say that kind of these are the actions, these are the objectives that we have, this is these are the results we expect to see short term that will show that we have kind of reached this objective and this will then build the brand long term. So so I think it's still a combination of using the data that today there is kind of way more than I would say 10 years ago, where you can still kind of prove and show and continuously kind of report also data and numbers, which I think is key in terms of kind of gaining that trust and, and in, in terms of kind of how it pays back to, to invest in marketing. Mm. How do you decide kind of, because it's easy to decide if it's measurable, you can calculate the ROI, that's an easy calculation to make. But how do you decide how much to spend in marketing? Let's say you have those soft metrics or whatever it is, but still, how do you make that decision of like, we're going to invest this amount over this period of time? How do you think about that? I think it's a, it's kind of a, a combination, like looking at the full picture. Um, so it might be that some of the things that you are doing that kind of are very tactical and short term and, and will immediately show kind of in, in terms of commercial resorts and, and, and show up in sales. Uh, and some of those might not even be that investment heavy. And, and kind of if you are doing those things, it's easier then to justify that you are also doing these things that might be more investment heavy. And and like I use the funnel a lot. So mm. talking about kind of like that, that and maybe it's easier to start with these things that kind of short term and you can show sales. Yeah. And then you go up and say that's kind of, but to continue to have mm. these type of things, we also need to make sure that continuously we have the top funnel and feeding into that because kind of without that long term, we won't be able to continue kind of filling up and getting these these type of results. Yeah, it, it it sounds very, it makes a lot of sense. But I think when I, I've, what I've heard from quite a few companies or too many companies is this idea that if we're doing way, we have good sales now, so we don't re really need to invest in marketing. There's not this idea of thinking that, well, the customers that we're getting now weren't created today. They were maybe created like a year ago. We need to always invest in long-term filling up the, the top of funnel. Exactly. Yeah. And I think here, because it has been so clear all the time that kind of this company started this whole category. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was about kind of explaining to people that kind of, hey, you have this problem. This is what it looks like. Now there is a solution. Uh, so there was a need to, to create that type of kind of demand and overall even awareness about the, the product. And then yeah. when when kind of it started to get a bit more traction in the industry and, and kind of and, and sales started coming in, it was still everyone realized that we are only scratching the surface, that kind of it was so clear. And now still today, if we look about kind of like the office spaces and the offices and companies worldwide, even in big cities, how many of them still even haven't heard about the solution. So it's easy to kind of think that now it's clear and, and it's in all over offices all over the world, but it's still kind of a huge part where where we still just need to create that demand. So I think that's kind of also has supported that thinking. Then if it's kind of a very matured market and everyone knows and it's yeah. more about fighting over market shares, I think that's when it's kind of also easier when it goes into kind of now it's more about kind of conversion and, and kind of fighting for market share. But yeah. here, as a market leader, it has been kind of our job to grow the category overall. Uh, and then it's also easier to justify that the investment. Yeah. What's, has there been anything particular in terms of maybe just tactics or strategies or overall campaigns that has been successful in growing the category and creating that awareness? Because you started kind of from scratch. Has there, yeah, how have you guys gone about doing that? I think about kind of this, like, 
bigger, like purely awareness type of campaigns. Yeah. Uh, we did one during COVID, which was kind of a, a home office campaign, which is kind of not as a category interesting for us uh, in terms of providing them for, for people's houses and kind of private use. But during COVID, when like it was spring uh, 2020, so everyone was at home and working from home and, and, and a lot of people were struggling. And then we did this campaign where you needed to justify why, why you would need one at home and you could win a pod. And it was mm. kind of a really easy way to show the use case of the product in kind of a situation that was really top of mind, really relevant for everyone with kind of kids and everyone at home and like people doing sim simultaneous video conferences and finding that quiet space. So we could show the use case of the product in kind of a relevant situation, a relevant way. And still most of the people that were working from home were kind of eventually then going back to offices. So yeah. that was a campaign that kind of really worked in terms of creating awareness just for the brand and the category overall. So really tapping into something that's happening right now and how it relates to your product. Exactly. The, yeah. Um, you mentioned the soundproof or like getting away or creating that sound noise free space for, for productivity. Has that always been the focus in terms of marketing and as kind of main USP or has that shifted over time as you've learned more about what customers want? Well, actually, I think it, it never has been kind of the, the number one thing for mm -hmm. Framery. Uh, and it's actually a really nice story because it's, of course, it started also the whole, like the company was founded when when kind of the founder was working uh, for a company and had a very loud boss who was continuously on the phone and they were trying to code. Uh, and then it was like, hey, could you give, give us some kind of time to concentrate? And then he just threw out like their boss that kind of, well, build me a phone booth. Yeah. And they started Googling and couldn't find any solutions. Uh, and then they went back to this loud boss and Hale said, like, we had good news and bad news. That kind of good news is you're getting that phone boot and bad news is that we quit. Uh, and then they quit and, and they founded a company and the boss ended up also kind of coming to work for the company and invested in early days and all of that. So, so kind of that's how it got started. Uh, but quite quickly and in the beginning, I mean, the, the first years were quite a struggle because they were kind of starting off a category that that didn't exist so there is a lot of working together with the first customers so just like like a first demo pod to some key customers and then learning while doing and kind of getting the feedback from the offices in terms of how it was used and what was working and what wasn't um, and then kind of from from the customers quite quickly they got the insight that actually it's not only about kind of providing the space where kind of inside you, you can focus and concentrate it's also about what that's, that does to the whole office mm. environment, because that means that kind of, and then like when you have bigger and smaller pods, so so either kind of you can go inside and you can focus and concentrate, but then the people outside, they can kind of more freely kind of have yeah. these ad hoc discussions and, and, and kind of the most valuable things where you have kind of collaboration and you work together because you don't feel like you are disturbing someone else or you jump two people inside a bigger pod and you have the discussion there. So it's actually kind of, what happens inside, but also what happens outside. And, and that's kind of where the whole th thinking is that when you have kind of the right solutions and you have these pods, that's when the whole w office kind of works better and flows better and, and kind of people have that sensation of kind of getting things done and, and which kind of then in terms of employee satisfaction and all that is, is the main thing, yeah. having that feeling of, of getting things done. Is that's where your slogans here is about happiness yeah. comes yeah. from. So it's yeah. not just about, obviously the product is at the core, beautiful functional products, but also talking about the impact, exactly. the solution, the, the problem that it solves. Yeah. And I think like a lot of our competition is talking about kind of like, it's a lot about talking about noise and silence and even kind of the naming of the products. And, and I think that's another thing that kind of this company 
kind of from the beginning understood that it makes sense to kind of anchor it into something a bit bigger mm. uh, than only about kind of product features. Which is quite rare, I think, in a Finnish context that's very engineering, manufacturing driven, really focus on products and talking about the features. So it's taking this leap and really talking about something that feels a bit, could feel a bit like wooey. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a big leap, but it's obviously paid off. Yeah. You mentioned competitors, and I, I read also in, a, in some place you talked about, or some place in, in, on the website, it said that during this time of, of really rapid growth, you had like 50 direct competitors coming up. Probably there's more now. Yeah. So how have you guys been able to, because obviously success creates competition. And so how have you guys been able to, to stay the market leader when you have probably bigger companies coming in with more resources, your companies coming in with cheaper products, brand jacking, all those things how have you guys been kind of, kind of able to deal with that i think kind of the idea has kind of always been that that since we started the category and and kind of got the the kind of a few steps ahead of competition to kind of like not defend the position but make sure we stay that way so always kind of stay to step, steps ahead so kind of not looking at the category now or competition now but kind of what's next so always thinking about what's next and also Like, for example, during COVID, we were in a fortunate kind of situation that we were able to continue investing and kind of mm. it was a, a strategic decision to kind of use that time to kind of, again, kind of gain some head against against competition and, and kind of evolve the products and take it to the next level uh, from that perspective. So I think that's kind of one thing. Also, the fact that we were first and, and were able to scale uh, the business and kind of globally, uh, then it's easier to kind of keep things rolling when you have kind of the the kind of advantage of scale, uh, because a lot of our competitors competitors are more local. Mm. So so then they're smaller and it's local. And then kind of to kind of get that advantage of scale is is a bit more difficult. Yeah. How, how, let's talk about that a little bit. So started in Tampere in Finland. And then I think I would assume quite quickly, like the vast majority of revenue came from internationally. Yeah. So what was the growth? And, and kind of go-to-market scaling strategy in the beginning, and how has that? How you basically how you'd be able to grow so big so quickly, selling to all these huge enterprises as well as presumably also smaller companies in, I would guess like 100 maybe countries across the world, something like that. Yeah. How how what was the strategy and that allowed you to 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 do that? Well, I think I think one was kind of making sure that there is a market fit for the product, so kind of making sure the product is kind of perfect and the quality and all of that. So so that was kind of one starting point. Um, another one was kind of working together with end customers in the beginning to really understand the end customer and what they need and, and how they work. And, and once that was achieved, I think one key for success was finding the right distributing partners mm. um, all over the world. So so kind of and getting them com committed and doing it together with them, because kind of this is that's a bit how this industry works. That's kind of it's selling through kind of distributing partners. Uh, so I think kind of getting that whole network set up, choosing the right partners uh, and making sure kind of winning with them uh, has been one key to success for sure. Okay, so great product and then working really closely and obviously with with the distribution partners but then i guess sales and marketing need to work really closely together yeah and i think that's kind of where sales and marketing comes in so so kind of not only working together with kind of distributing partners but kind of showing them also what we are doing in terms of creating the demand so showing kind of the efforts we are doing how many people we are reaching and creating the demand and like 
making sure it's easy for dealer partners to sell because that's the type of brands they want to work with. If it's kind of easy for them to sell a product, uh, that's kind of when you get their commitment. Uh, I think you made a really good point that that I feel like goes overlooked and that's the value of a brand is so much bigger than just the brand itself. It's like when you go to talk to distribution partners or any kind of partners, if you can show them that you're making these investments or if you can just, I mean, branding works towards them as well. Exactly. And they want to work with good brands. They want to work with companies that are innovative, who are market leaders, who are committed to being pushing the, to grow in the category. For sure. So if you're just thinking about yourself, um, it's kind of like this very broad, too small of a, a, a perspective. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, I'd be curious just to hear, because you, you mentioned kind of your, uh, the impact that your products have. Have you seen anything, have you done studies in, in terms of employee productivity or employee satisfaction that comes along with using using these types of sound solutions? We have done some and we're continuously looking into kind of new ways of, of, of measuring that because it is a very interesting topic. We did one study together with Firstbeat, which is kind of a Finnish software company that studies the heart rate variability. Um, and it was kind of a, a study that we did that showed that actually kind of even working inside a pod is kind of during that time you recover during the workday. So instead of mm. kind of going to work and then having the full day of stress and then only starting to recover when you come back, having these type of pods and these kind of silent spaces, you can recover already during the day because kind of you have the time to kind of step in inside these type of pods. Okay. And of course, we get kind of the feedback from companies and the fact that they continue buying from us and, and buy more and kind of we have quite loyal customers. I think that's kind of an indication as such as well. Yeah. Um, Oh, I had I had something in my mind, but I I, I forgot about it. Um, I'd be curious to hear kind of when we talk about branding as well, some of the kind of concrete things that you guys have been using. Um, for instance, PR. Is that how you guys been thinking about about PR? I mean, it it is a kind of key focus area for us. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a great way to drive reach and and thought leadership. So we've been. <sighs> working on that kind of continuously now for a few years um, and tracking both kind of reach and number of articles because it's kind of they're also I think it's all about kind of looking at the whole customer journey and 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 we have kind of the distributing partners there are architects who impact kind of and it's it's quite a niche industry mm. uh, like the, the people who buy and the people who sell so it's quite small and and there we want to be top of mind. So so we never want to make sure that Framer is the first brand that comes to mind when you mention pods. And that's yeah. kind of one aspect. But then the other aspect is kind of basically every office worker all over the world that are using the products and work in offices where we want to kind of still create that awareness as well. So we've had a kind of a bit of a um, two-sided PR strategy. So we have kind of the industry media where we want kind of number of articles and continuous re kind of continuous publications and all of that. And then we also want to kind of get into these kind of bigger media for kind of really broad reach. And, and we want to kind of be pitching to be kind of the the thought leader within workplaces and what is happening and, and all of that. And I think it's kind of every year we've kind of taken the next step and that's something we want to continue building on. And we see a lot of kind of great value from that. Are you using the same kind of two-sided approach in the rest of marketing, for instance, trying to create awareness or create the increase the size of the category with office workers and the rest of your marketing as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it's kind of, that's, that's kind of, we have a bit kind of three focus areas. So one is kind of, and then kind of, is it PR or digital media yeah. or events pending kind of 
what we want to do, we always want to make sure that kind of there are these certain people where it's kind of top of mind and yeah. continuous exposure, uh, like all the people in the industry. Then we want to grow the category so it's broader awareness and, and reach. And then also kind of, which has been kind of since the start of the company, like I said, working really closely with the end customers. Yeah. And I mean, it becomes even more important when you sell through distributing partners because then they buy actually from them. So how do you still ma maintain that kind of connection with the yeah. end customers and, and there kind of really create the preference and loyalty? So th those are basically the key things we are focusing on. Okay. So it's um, you have a lot of different, uh, a lot of essentially different like segments or customers or, or whatever you want to call them. A lot of different markets, a lot of different touch points offline and online. And yeah, how do you, and a lot of, you know, obviously one kind of category, but still a, a range of products. It sounds quite complex and um, like trying to manage even a much, much more simpler marketing setup can feel like can feel overwhelming. So how do you kind of manage this complexity and, and stay focused and know what to focus on, what to allocate, where to allocate resources when you have these that many moving pieces? I mean, I think it, it, it is complex, but it, at the same time, it's really interesting. And mm -hmm. it's also kind of a great opportunity because you have so many different touch points and parts of the customer journey where you still can Im make an impact. Yeah. Um, so from our perspective, I think it's a bit also how how we built the team. Um, so so kind of we have three different parts where one is is the commercial marketing part. So working really closely with sales and our dealer partners and, and kind of really know what's going on in each key market and kind mm -hmm. of understand it on, on that level. Um, there's also product marketing. So understanding what's behind each kind of if there is a new product launch and, and kind of going deeper into kind of think the thinking behind that and then the positioning and all of that. Then we have the brand marketing, which is more about kind of content and the PR and thought leadership and and and, and that part. And then we have the digital marketing, which is making sure that everything is kind of then spread out. Yeah. Um, and then having that combination of kind of people and teams who are kind of expert in their areas and then still working together these three parts. Yeah. Um, I think kind of and, and starting with kind of a structure and a plan and a hypothesis and then trying things out and learning and taking kind of then to the next step. So it's been a lot about starting to starting with getting the basics right. Yeah. And then you can start kind of experimenting and trying new things and, and kind of learning by doing. And that's basically been the approach. And you mentioned um, before we started recording that you're the entire marketing team is in Finland. So I yeah. guess that helps everyone's close. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. And, and also the fact that the, the, the everyone the office is at the same place where the factory is so kind of everyone's close to the product and yeah. i guess it it really even though you're a large organization now everyone can sort of be very yeah aligned and, and focused on pulling towards the same goal yeah and still of course i mean having a lot of contact daily contact with our sales yeah. team that's all over the world and our distributing partners so i think that that combination um and also we have an international team so we have person from Vietnam, one from France, an American. So so it's still kind of, because I think that is important, finding the balance between mm -hmm. kind of the the Finnish part and kind of having a centralized organization, all the benefits of that, but still staying really close to the markets uh, and understanding what's happening there. So kind of finding that balance is, is key. Yeah, that's probably huge. I mean, you sell all over the world. And if you just kind of go with the Finnish mindset and Finnish background, it can be, you can make some mistakes. Yeah. For sure. Um, I'd be curious, you mentioned thought leadership, which is, I think, something that a lot of companies, ourselves included, try to achieve. But it's kind of, it's obviously depends, it varies from industry to industry how you define it, but it seems pretty difficult. Like a lot of companies want it, but it's very hard to, to achieve. So 
how, how do you think about, first of all, how do you define it? And what is your kind of approach or strategy for achieving it? I think there are also kind of several different, depending on kind of the objective. I think one like top level objective and easy way to define mm. it, uh, like if you think really, really broader and awareness and reach is that kind of if any big publication is working on an article in terms of kind of what's happening now with hybrid working, where is the whole work life going? they would reach out to to us and our spokespeople and kind of ask our opinion, how we see the market and where everyone is going. So that's kind of one. But then, like said, and within the industry, there are smaller things. So I think also being the thought leader when it comes to kind of end customers or architects or the dealer partners, if it's kind of be it sustainability or kind of there are also a lot of certificates and, and kind of these type of, of, of legislation things, be it kind of that comes with kind of building code and all of that in different markets. So being also the thought leader there. So people do ask like, how does it work? How does this, what is this setup? Um, what's kind of next within this whole workplace? So I think that's, then it's a bit more concrete, mm. uh, these type of things where we can kind of be the one who lead the way and show the way in terms of where we want to go. Mm. Um, do, do you think, have you seen that that kind of creates a trust for maybe especially large corporations where they, they okay, they have different 50 or 100 or whatever it is, providers for these kind of similar products. But you know, with Framery, you know that they have the expertise, you know that they got the, their pulse on the market, and you know that everything is kind of, they have their ducks in a row. Yeah. And so they just choose you as the safe, secure bet, kind of. I think for sure. Um, and it's about kind of, I mean, having the proof points and, and kind of having tackled all of these issues while we've grown and in different markets. And also the fact that kind of basically all over the world, we are able to serve any customer and kind of having that network. So, and if there are any issues and if there's so a, we have kind of that global footprint also uh, to yeah. support that. Um, you mentioned sustainability there, and that's obviously very, it's a big, big, big trend that's not going to change. No. And it feels like Finnish companies are quite well positioned because it's, such a big part of how we've always done things. And and so do you think that's a big opportunity in general for Finnish companies to kind of maybe take that position as a as a thought leader and as a leader when it comes to creating sustainable in whatever industry that they're they're in? Do you think that we have a natural kind of I do. I do. I, I do. I I think kind of people like sustainability is taken very and has been taken very seriously in Finland. So I think a lot of companies are a step ahead yeah. uh, and i think it is a great like opportunity of course assuming that there actually is the the kind of the proof points behind it because i think that's kind of also an area where you have to be very careful and more and more everyone is a, a bit suspicious and and kind of demand actual proof points and actual yeah. facts in terms of kind of what has been done what does it mean because kind of if you start to claim something without having then like the things to back it up, that's kind of a, a, a very slippery slope then. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like the good thing is in, in a lot of Finnish companies is we do more than we say. Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that's kind of the issue. Um, okay, let's, let's talk a little bit about kind of right now and the future. You had really successful, strong growth, and I'm guessing that's gonna, the plan is to continue. Um, what, what's kind of the focus right now? Is it, um, as you're, the market is evolving, uh, it's getting more competitive, I would assume. Um, or, or, well, let's talk about the market a little bit. What do you think, because you are kind of thought leaders in this, what do you think is going to happen when it comes to the future of work? Is it companies going back to an office? Is it going to be a hybrid? What are kind of some big trends you're seeing there? 
I still, I still, I still think it's evolving, uh, and like we see, like the big companies have been kind of going back and forth in policies now for mm-hmm. two years, um, so it's still kind of settling down. I, I believe hybrid is here to stay in one way or another. Um, I believe offices are key and mm-hmm. having a place and for people to come together and kind of, I mean, there are all these studies in terms of kind of innovations and and yeah. what is needed for that. So I, I do think that kind of office is here to stay, uh, probably in some form of, of hybrid working way. But for sure, uh, offices are still going to be needed and people want to come together and need to come together to make sure that. But you you don't think we're going to go back to pre-pandemic era where it was ex- the expectation was five days a week. It's going to be more of like a flexible approach. I would think so. Yeah. Um, I think I think kind of people see a lot of benefits also with the hybrid work. Um, so I think it is a big risk if you start to kind of force it too much. It it kind of it's it should be more of an approach in terms of how do you make sure that people want to come to the office. Uh, and yeah. of course, kind of then it's a bit of chicken and egg because people want to come to office to meet people. And if no one is, is at the office, no one is going to come in. So yeah. of course, it needs to be kind of built and created that type of momentum. But lo- long term, I I don't think it's going to be a working model to kind of demand people to be there five five days a week. Okay. And are you, um, and probably also there will be some rise in these kind of um, co-working locations where you could have uh, that because I think one of the things that has been um, shown quite often is that people don't really dislike the office as much as they dislike the commute. Yeah, um, sitting in the train for two hours is is not really anyone's idea of a good time. But um, so maybe there's going to be more of those. Um, it's going to be more distributed, kind of, as opposed to everything being centralized in one location. Yeah. Yeah, these type of third-party locations, mm. but that's another trend that people have talked about for quite a long time, and at least yet it hasn't kind of okay. been seen a, a big shift towards that. But like I said, it's kind of it's it's interesting times to see kind of where it will land. Are you as as Framery? Are you guys seeing as your? Or do you see yourself as kind of being in the role of shaping kind of these trends and how the future of work as as a kind of thought leader and as the you have access to probably a lot of data about this and you have these products. Do you see kind of your role as trying to shape how things are going to go? Yeah, for sure. Uh, in a sense, I think kind of it's it's a combination, uh, but I think it's kind of, it's all about how you make the office workers happy and how do you make them c- come in and kind of and, and kind of have the right environment and the right tools. So I think kind of our, our role there is to provide the insights into kind of what do office workers needs, what do they want, how can you create an office where people want to come in and it works, uh, and and kind of yeah. Do you find that to be like a really strong argument in 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 you know actual selling? It's like being able to point to hard facts. Like this is this is the impact of using these types of product on satisfaction, productivity, retention. I think for sure, uh, and I, I think there are two aspects. So one is kind of in in terms of think about real estate owner or facility managers, like what's the cost of putting in a pod versus building an off, uh, a meeting room. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there was kind of this study that we did with CBRE that yeah. showed that kind of the potential savings of using pods in the US alone is 30 billion. Yeah, yeah uh, I saw that on, on a Facebook ad. Of yours yeah. And, yeah, So and of course, that's kind of then more towards the decision maker, but, yeah. but kind of that together then with kind of 
having the right tools for the office workers and making them happy. Of course, that's what kind of every CEO or facility manager wants to make sure that they have a working office and that the workers have the tools and solutions needed for them to get the job done. Yeah. Uh, and that's where we can help. Okay. So you have a you have a lot of insights, and then you're kind of using you have these different um, customer segments or, or stakeholders. You're able to market to to those differently. Yeah. Um, are you also going to do like something broad? Like, are we going to see a Super Bowl ad from Framery <laughs> about? Cause I I saw one. I think it was a while back, but this 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 jungle ad, which I thought was really funny. It was a great creative, and also really highlighted the the the, the kind of the USP of the product. Um, are are you thinking about like? Along those terms as well, of like going I think broad, creating <laughs> awareness among the general public of office workers. I think it 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 is like an objective, and like you said, like the the jungle film, and now. Um, Last year, we had this Perks for Pods campaign where office worker could trade in useless perks like kind of ping pong tables and yeah. things that kind of no one uses for things that they would actually value a, a framery pod. And and they have worked quite quite nicely. And also kind of the jungle film, which is more kind of entertaining and kind of like people remember and understand the use yeah. of the product. Super Bowl, I mean, never say <laughs> never. Of course, that's everyone's dream. Uh, but it's also kind of, I think, uh, a balancing of, of investments and, and kind of. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you never know. But I mean, the, the broader awareness is kind of always kind of there in terms of kind of making sure that we do enough of it, but of course, not also over investing. I mean, it's not a B2C brand and it's so so kind of finding that balance. It needs to make sense. Yeah. Do you find that that is the case? Like, how often is it just kind of you're selling to organizations and it's a top down? You're you know speaking with whoever's in in charge of of, of purchasing, or how much is the demand organically coming from inside the organizations? Workers are saying, "Hey, my com my friend who works at this other company, they have these booths. Why can't we have those booths?" I think it is a combination, uh, and that's again, like you said, why it's complex, but also kind of a, a great opportunity because there yeah. are so many different parts impacting and kind of in terms of, uh, again, I come back to the customer journey, but because that's kind of the starting point for how we look at marketing It kind of what does it look like and which are all the touch points where we can kind of impact and, and influence. Uh, and it's, it's not only the, the facility manager or the, the C-level decision maker that's kind of making the order or kind of paying the bills for the pods, but kind of there are so many stakeholders in between yeah. that impacts that decision. and and. Like I mentioned earlier, the architects who are kind of designing the office spaces, if yeah. they're, if will they put in pods and will they put in framery pods in in kind of the when they do the layout, um, the the dealer partners, a lot of people times the customer will go to them and they would recommend something. And then there are kind of these decision makers and then there are the users who would be like, yeah, I worked this company and we had this and it was amazing and we should have them as well. So that's why kind of we are trying to kind of tackle all of these and finding the right challenge, the the right channel and, and kind of the right creative yeah. for, for these specific target groups to make sense. It resonates and, and kind of. And I think that's uh, that's like a really good kind of testament or proof to the importance of brand because you have all these different people and the you, the purchase, the decision cycle can be very long and complicated and it's so much of it is completely out of your control and it's happening in these dark places that you can't measure so that's why having that brand, so the architect wants to work with you and the purchasing manager and uh, whoever yeah. is, is really, really important. It creates a huge competitive advantage, I would assume. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, um, yeah, I think I think Framery, as like I said in the beginning, I think it's a, it's a great case study of how you build a great brand from a 
well, how you take a great product to then actually become a market leader with a great brand uh, and be able to sustain that. It's, it's, it's one thing. I think we've seen a lot of examples of companies who create these great products, but they're not able to capitalize on it. And it seems like you guys have really been able to do that. And so I think it's a, it's a wonderful kind of case study. And uh, I think, well, speaking from a Finnish perspective, we would, <laughs> we would need a lot more, more companies like Framery. Um, so it's, um, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for coming on, Daniela. And uh, thank you. Wish you and uh, all the all the people at Framery best of luck, and uh, can look forward to to kind of follow you guys and and see what you what you do next. Thanks a lot.